Today's episode is brought to you by shop.mrcoleonnoir.com. Shop.mrcoleonnoir.com is the place for all of your two-way apparel needs with designs like I Am The Militia, Keep Texas Tactical, and I Lost All My Guns In A Boating Accident. You can show your two-way pride while looking good doing it and even converting some folks along the way. So head over to shop.mrcoleonnoir.com and grab your two-way merch today. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Coleon Noir Podcast. Today's guest is Mike Sedin. A lot of us in the gun community are quick to point out that gun violence and mass shootings specifically are a mental health issue. And I agree. However, we usually all just stop there and don't do anything else. Mike Sedini is passionate about mental health and removing the negative stigma associated with mental health issues and firearm ownership. So he decided to take it a step further and started Walk to Talk America a nonprofit organization whose mission is to fund research and development for outreach and promotion of mental health to reduce the misconceptions and prejudice that exist when it comes to mental illness and firearms. They believe they can be a catalyst for change by working with experts in the mental health industry. So with no further ado, Mike Sedini. Just for people who don't know you, Mike, <laughs> what... Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So I'm third generation firearms industry professional. Basically grew up around it, not necessarily in it my whole life, but always around it. And went to work for my family business, which was, you know, nepotism did me right. Um, (laughs) Work for my family business in 98 after I graduated college, but left but then came back in 2006 uh-huh. and basically ran one of the largest importers in the United States of firearms. So, so I've been on your show before. Um, everyone knows that I have a short attention span when, it talks about, <laughs> when I talk about my firearms or, or what, what was then. Um, but we imported firearms from Argentina, Spain, Slovakia, the Philippines, and we brought them and sold them into the U S um, had a, a, a really big tragedy happen in 2009. Um, and it's the reason why I became president of my own company is because our acting president took his own life with a firearm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that always stuck with me and the team at Eagle Imports. Um, and then, you know, in 2018, had the opportunity to create my nonprofit organization called Walk the Talk America, uh, which we'll get into, which you were uh, part of, and you were part of there. You were there when the idea yeah. kind of, you know, was created. Um, and you know, 2019, I sold my company to do this full time. You know, so now I'm officially 100% devoted to Walk the Talk America. Gotcha. So let's just let's not even mince words. Let's jump right into Walk the Talk America. So when you decided to start. Walk to Talk America. What what were some of your apprehensions? Because and, and I'm asking this is kind of a loaded question because I kind of know because like you said I was there when we kind of mm-hmm. started it. What what was your experience like initially? Because I mean you know the gun thing you know with us pro gunners and the gun industry and then you have the mental health side of things. I, I always felt like the sometimes we never and I could be wrong that we never really want to talk about the mental health component and firearms in depth, or at least we just never really had that conversation play out in our part of the world. 
And so you starting this organization, what was the initial, initially, what was that like? How were people responding to the idea? Uh, you know, surprisingly, I don't really have the horror stories that most people think I would walking into uh, the mental health side of things for me. Um, and I think we, we are similar uh, the way that we are. We're able to play with other people's ideas in a nice manner uh, mm-hmm. most of the time. Right. And, <laughs> and we, we try to see where people are coming from. I mean, you have a lawyer mind. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've always thought that you could always, you know, when you look at both sides of the aisle on subjects, there's values that both sides offer that are important to consider. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I walked in, saying, I have to understand that the mental health side might look at me sideways, right? <laughs> it, it's just something that, that I expected. But I also looked at the mental health side saying, they might have some answers and I need to, to talk to them about it. Um, now, on the flip side of that, the reason why I wanted to do this is because as gun uh, community, the 2A community, as gun enthusiasts, collectors, uh, just, you know, overall believers in freedom and, and our, our two-way rights, we we tend to get called a lot of bad things, um, yeah. which puts us on the defensive. And I, I was welcomed into this community through my family, but I am not the stereotypical what people would think of as the gun guy. I mean, that's one of the reasons why people call me the ungun gun guy is because <laughs> I grew up in cities. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't get the chance to go hunting. Um, but what I did understand about the firearms community is how accepting they were of me and how um, they care. So when a mass shooting would happen, I would uh, watch the reactions of other, because sometimes it would happen like when we're at shows, like gun shows, yep. like industry shows. And I would watch the reactions of the people and you just saw the disappointment and, and how sad they were. And, you know, then I'm out and I'm with people that are, are you know, tend to take an anti-gun stance They're like the gun industry doesn't care. All they care about is profits. And I'm like, Whoa, wait a second. Nobody, nobody's celebrate. I've never seen anybody celebrate. Um, I've never seen anybody even make a, a joking comment like, well, at least our money's going to go up. Like I've never yeah. even, I mean, that's the God's honest truth. So, you know, for me, um, just like with any subject in life, I think it's, it's, you know, you have to walk in and you have to understand that you might get judged, but I was there to say that this is not true. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I started the organization. Cause it's like, we can do something about this. Yeah. We just need your help. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, I, in doing what I do from an advocacy standpoint, I, uh, you know, I've always had to combat that notion that somehow we're, we're less affected by these tragic shootings um, because we are pro gun. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's weird how easily they mar us with the blood of the dead uh, as if we somehow don't care. And, uh, you know, I've always said, no, it's, it's not that we don't care. It's we we care so much that we want to do everything possible to either prevent or fight against those things we can't prevent. And so I think it's um, exceedingly unfair for the way that we tend to get typecasted in the gun industry at the same time. Um, I do, I do feel sometimes that because we're, we are always on the defensive and rightly so in a lot of ways, cause we're constantly, you know, we're, we're always in a position of having to defend things being taken from us versus the other side where it's more so they're trying to take the things <laughs> away from us. Um, where since we do become defensive, we don't ever really have those conversations and with the other side, 
on the issue, especially with the issue of, of, of mental health, where we could discover those nuances, which would allow us to then start the, the very hard work of trying to figure out how to deal with the mental health and the firearm relationship component of what we all do. Yeah. Um, Cause it's hard. And that's, 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 that's the, that's the thing. The simple talking point is, well, it's a mental health issue, right? Good. Cool. The hard part is, all right, now what do we do about that? Right. You know? One of the, one of the things that I've, what, what I really am kind of proud of, of what we've accomplished and you know, it, it's, this is a lot to unravel in, mm-hmm. in a short period of time, but, um, one of the, one of my motives was to come to the table and be able to shut people up. Right. Um, <laughs> it was okay. Um, you know, they say we don't care. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's find a way to change the narrative of the firearm and the, uh, the narrative of the industry and show the rest of the world that we do care. And, you know, there's been instances where I've been able to show people what we do and they have a very anti-gun stance. And even they were like, this is pretty cool. Like what you're doing is pretty cool. Um, so I had that chip on my shoulder, you know, yeah. it's like, Hey, let's find solutions. And then you can get really, you know, the, with virtue signaling and all this stuff and everybody says that they care. Um, I try to always focus on when someone is anti-gun, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt of saying, okay, they just don't want people to die. Yeah. And I don't want people to die either. Right. Like that's one thing we could have in common ground. Um, but then when we get down to it, when we get in the weeds of it, do you really care about saving lives? Or are you just, you know, saying you Versus, do? Yeah. Now, <laughs> now do you, you, mean, you mean that from the, the, the other side or do you mean yeah, that from the other the, side? Gotcha. Oh, well, you know, it's funny. Now it's become both, yeah. right? <laughs> because <laughs> now, now there's this level of expectation. I always say, like, we could defend our 2A rights, uh, how we've always done, uh, just be fierce about it. Um, not come off, you know, stand your ground, but we can also, you know, make earth better. We can help people. We can save lives. We can, you know, we can actually say, here's what we're doing and show them our programs, our policies, the things we do that, that helps. And I don't think anybody that I've yet to have somebody on either side say what I'm doing doesn't help. Now I've had people on, on our side Mm. say, don't trust them. Right. Like it's all gun grabbing and everything like that. It's the same, you know, kind of the rhetoric and the narrative that was, you know, you, you, you're familiar with the organization Mm -hmm. that that had that stance for many years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But um, I haven't had anybody say that what we do doesn't help. And I mean, the manufacturers that have stepped up um, one of the things we do, um, you know, for the the listening audiences and you know about this, right. Mm -hmm. So I'm preaching the choir, but (laughs) You know, we have a flyer uh, that leads to free and anonymous mental health screenings. Uh, there's like 13 of them. There's, you know, in, there's a couple that are in different languages and they're, they're free and anonymous, which is important for people, mm. especially the 2A community. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it walks through, there's one for depression, PTSD, alcoholism, or substance abuse, uh, anxiety, you know. Yeah. We people would have never thought that I could walk over to you know a firearms manufacturer and say I need you to put this in the box, and you know you have all these manufacturers stepping up. There's like 14 now that looked at that thing and they're like, "This is awesome. I want to put it in the box, yeah. <laughs> right?" And yeah. that's the thing that I think people you know had trouble wrapping their arms around at first is like, 
all you had to do is ask. That's <laughs> what you get. <laughs> so, like yeah. it's it's you know it's funny. It's almost like a like you remember the the movie of uh, Oblivion with Tom Cruise. Yes, and yep. you remember how you know they had him thinking that you were, they were fighting like these what do they call them the scavengers or something like that. Like they're, they're these scavengers are these alien creatures, um, and we're trying to destroy the Earth. And then Tom Cruise actually interacts with them and realizes them. No, they're actually real people. Yeah, um, I feel like that's the same type of dynamic we have in the gun debate, where you have one side that tries to vilify and monsterize one side. Um, and the other side, which would be us, is we don't necessarily try to vilify them, but we, we you know, like you say, we can't really trust you all. Um, and I, what I've learned on the opposite side is whenever I interact with people who are generally anti-gun and we start talking about the issues um, at, a, at an extended standpoint, you can almost see them. You can kind of almost see the change in their in in their eyes, where they're like, "Oh, so they're not all monsters, right? And, you know, they're not all these evil creatures." Because the, the the media's done a great job of propagandizing the idea that you know gun owners are, unless you're a hunter, of course, unless you're a hunter. Um, right. <laughs> but the, but even then, they vilify them too. Um, if you're a gun owner, you know you're just a bloodthirsty psychopath waiting to take take your first life. And people fall for that. They do. Um, and it, it's unfortunate, but it is the times that we live in. And so I think with Walk, Walk Talk America, the beautiful thing about it and the reason why, you know, I wanted to be a part of it is I know a lot of people who deal with mental health issues. I've had I've had my own emotional issues that I've had to deal with in the past. But at the same time, the most important thing, too, like you stated, was putting in like shutting them up. Because it's like you, you can't continue to vilify someone who's actually taking the initiative and the steps to actually fix the problem or try to fix the problem. And, you know, for, for us, you know, we, we know, at least I know guns aren't the problem. There are other problems and bigger problems that are, and a gun is just a symptom of those problems in terms of them being used inappropriately in some respect. Um, and for the longest time we've been kind of in our own little corners. And so I see walk to talk America as kind of like this, this bridge of sorts where we can have this conversation where it doesn't automatically divulge into this, to the, the, the typical rhetoric of, Oh, we need to ban this or we need to have, we need to have this place where people don't get this gun and so forth and so on. Things that don't really necessarily actually apply to fixing the situations or dealing with the issue of mental health. Um, one of the biggest things is the issue of, for instance, the red flag laws, right? Right. Um, I'd be the first one to admit it's a very complex, complex issue. And overtly for me, I know I don't, I'm not a fan of them Yeah, on, the, on, on the surface <laughs> level. Right. Um, but at the same time, I can't say I can understand other people's perspectives and why they see it as a really good thing. Right. You know, I don't agree with it, but I can, I can see. And, you know, I, I want to be able to have the conversation with, with someone who sees that and feels that way so that we can get to a point where we're saying, okay, we've, 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 engaged in exploring this idea of taking guns away from people who we suspect to be a problem and being able to have that conversation and then to, to, to show them the dangers of, of usurping or undermining constitutional rights that we have in this country and how easily that can be done by way of red flag laws. A lot of people don't even think about those things to that point. But again, you know, there, how do you, 
how do you really drill that in and you like you take the kind of cost benefit analysis of someone who's actually who may or may not have actually experienced somebody who's close to them who they they know like this person should not have a gun um and felt like if i had this in place to take that gun away from them you know that would have been much better and it's just it's just a, it's a it's a very difficult conversation to have with someone like that and um and i i don't purport to have all the answers um i don't but i think being able to have that conversation to me right now is the most important, the most important thing ever. Cause right now what we're really all doing is kind of just yelling at each other. No, absolutely. Uh, it, to me, some of the solutions that walk talk America's come up with are alternatives to red flag laws. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's another organization out there called holdmyguns.org. Mm-hmm. Like they're a great organizations all about safe storage in a time of crisis, right? A place where, cause everything is usually temporary. Um, most mental health is temporary, right? Uh, Psychiatrists, therapists, they'd cease to exist if things weren't temporary. Um, Crisis is the most important thing where people do damage to themselves or other people, but it's looking for alternatives to get these people help and also looking for ways that their guns could be stored where their rights aren't violated um, until they're better, right? Like that's, that's really what we're looking for because you don't always have to take somebody's guns um, just on a hunch. Yeah. And that's the worst part about it is the due process piece. Um, you know, let's face it. There's all, there's, there have been examples. I mean, I, uh, David Anastasi, his father, uh, the story of David Anastasi, uh, I have a podcast. If anyone wants to go to the Mike Sedini podcast and listen to that, I've had him as a guest. He, he is a pro super pro to a person <laughs> that had to red flag his own father. Um, and, you know, I, I know that the listeners without getting the full story are just going to go, <gasps> you know, but yeah, yeah. if you hear the whole story, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting story because there, it came to a point where they exhausted every Avenue and the father, you know, basically acted out and, and did something and they gave him every opportunity. But the fear was, um, you know, he had a brain injury. Mm-hmm. And they, the, the concern, even though that was never going to happen, right. Or, yeah. you know, to, to, to this day, if you listen to his father and he tells his side of the story, it was never going to happen. Um, they, they were worried about the children that, you know, cause if you're seeing things, you're hallucinating. Yeah. Right. And that's in crisis, like being a paranoid schizophrenic, mm-hmm. having a brain injury that's making you visualize the outside world differently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are, those are times of crisis. Those, those are dangerous times, but let's face it. Red flag laws just do way more harm than they do good. Yeah. Um, Cause it prevents people from, from going to get help. You yeah. know, uh, think about the stigma that's involved. I, you know, that's why one of the things when I started working in the mental health side and I was working with mental health America and they're gun neutral. Like I need, that's, that was the most important thing. I needed to find somebody who was gun neutral. See, and I think a lot of people don't realize that though. I think a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the, like, well, I don't know if it's a lot of them, but there are mental health organizations and, and, and programs. They are gun neutral. It isn't this notion. Cause even I had that, I had that idea. And this was before you even told me about them. And I'm thinking a lot of these mental health organizations and, and, and programs, they're all super lefty anti-gun people. When that's yeah, not I mean, necessarily the case. It's not necessarily the case. I will say that they're they they are left leaning for sure. Yeah. Right. And I, and, um, I, and I didn't mean super lefty as a pejorative. 
It's just right. there is there is this usual association with being far left along with being it's almost I don't want to say it's a natural association because it kind of isn't. But there is a natural kind of inclination to feel that anyone who's super lefty is probably going to be pro is going to be anti-gun. Anti-gun. Yeah. It's really interesting, though. Um, I'm a big believer. So my mentor, uh, he he said to me one time I was working, you know, I worked for his company and he said, uh, don't don't ever come to me with a problem if you don't have a solution, even if the solution, you know, doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. But if you point out a problem, we have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I've kind of taken that stance with the organization for walk talk America. What, what I believe we're doing is going into the mental health side of things and saying, we have some solutions. And I think that's what most, I think that's what a lot of people were looking for for years. Like the gun industry recommends something besides just saying it's mental health. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a cop. It's a cop. It's a lazy, it's an intellectually lazy argument. And keep in mind, this is coming from somebody who's made the, who's made that argument. Right. right. I've made that argument before. You know, it's 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 a mental health issue. I'm not saying not saying that it's not true. It's it but it is intellectually lazy if you don't start diving deeper into what that actually means. Because I think sometimes what we do is it's like you said, we're always in defensive mode. And I think rightfully so in a lot of ways, but we kind of use it as a as a as a as a shield to repel the attacks on our right. Mm-hmm. You know, something happens and they're like, ban the guns. And it's like, no, like that. This is a mental health issue. This isn't this isn't a gun issue, which is true. But I think the responsibility we have as Americans, not gun owners, but as Americans, because I don't think anybody I don't think anybody would deny that. I mean, I went on Joe Rogan. He even mentioned it. And he even brought it up. And Joe Rogan isn't known as the as the, as the pillar of being pro gun. Um, right. But. I've even talking to people on the other side, they will acknowledge, yeah, there it is a mental health issue. But the problem is what they want to do is they want, we always want to take the easy way out. So whereas the gun owners would kind of use it as, as a lazy intellectual shield to buffer people's attacks against our rights. The other side will utilize it as a way to justify an overtly easy solution as they see fit in their mind. So we're all engaging in a level of intellectual laziness. So they want to just ban guns. They don't want to actually deal with the problem. They just want to ban the guns because if they don't have the access to the guns, then we don't have to deal with their mental health issues. Um, And I, and I, I don't think that is right. I don't, I don't think that's the way we should be approaching this. I think we should be rolling up our sleeves and trying to figure out, all right, well, here's the thing. Like, so when I first got into this, mm-hmm. being naive actually worked in my favor. Sometimes me being naive about things <laughs> blew up in my face. And then other times <laughs> they, they worked in my favor. This one did because I had no, I, I, you know, I didn't know, like, I, I didn't know who I was talking to. So yeah. I didn't know who the players were. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who the important people were on the mental health side. Of me. Yeah. And I ended up getting a hold of this gentleman named Dr. Jeffrey Swanson from Duke University. Mm-hmm. And I was reading some articles about, you know, what, you know, I did my research before and then I just reached out to him. I called his office. Um, I didn't realize it was kind of like calling, you know, LeBron and being like, Hey man, I, I need some help <laughs> shooting free throws. <laughs> Could you call me <laughs> and tell me if my elbow is in the right position? Right. So um, he gave me an, he called me, he gave me some homework. Like yeah. he, he was, I called and I sent an email as well. And he sent, he sent some articles. He wanted me to read them. And I read them as like, you know, 14 pages of stuff. And, you read? um, sorry, you read, 
Yeah, yeah, I was reading them. It's shocker. <laughs> I took my ASU diploma and I put it to work. So, so you know, I would, I read them and uh, English language, by the way, it's awesome. No, so I read them and I got back to him, and I and he said, uh, okay, you know, here's one thing you need to understand: stop acting like you stop the next mass shooter. Um, and to me, you know, I. I was like, no, that's what I want to do. I want to stop the next mass shooter. Everybody in the firearms industry wants to stop the next mass shooter. So what if we provided the money and then the mental health people went out there and did their thing? What I couldn't understand is why the mental health community, Dr. Jeffrey Swanson, uh, Debbie Plotnick, the vice president of Mental Health America, who, who's you know full-blown partner with, with Walk Talk America, they were pushing me to suicide. And I kept saying, yeah, that's great. I, I want to stop suicides too, but I really want to stop mass shooters. Well, the truth of the matter, bro, is that you can't stop mass shooters. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. Yeah. And they know that. Um, Which is so when, go ahead. what? No, go ahead. No. <laughs> so when, for me to go back and say, you know, um, you know, hey, I just want to focus on this. They're like, you're going to waste your time. And that's where I feel like it's important over the two, last two years, developing our own programs that are started by people in the firearms industry, right? To show them, okay, maybe we can cast a wide net. We'll focus on suicide because that's the intersection of where firearms and, and mental health meet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, we'll cast that wide net. We'll get rid of the stigma of mental health and maybe we'll catch one of those guys in the net, you know, and not even know it. That's the beauty of it, like making mental health more accessible without fear of consequence. Yeah. Maybe catch somebody down the, you know, earlier upstream to prevent, you know, the unpredictable, which so, basically mass shooters are. It's you, the, every mass shooter you look at, there is a hundred thousand kids that did the same thing that never did that. <laughs> You know, it's, yeah. it's true. I mean, that's the hard part of finding it. And I always give this example to put it in perspective. You could take 10 people that have bipolar disorder and hand them a firearm and they will live the rest of their life without hurting themselves or anybody else with that firearm. Um, then you could hand me a firearm. I just go out and I buy a firearm. A week later, I catch my best friend sleeping with my wife and I act on an impulse with anger and I shoot them. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's not mental health. I mean, clearly there is something wrong to take a life, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. but you take your 10 people with bipolar disorder that have never hurt anybody and you say they can't have guns. And then I go buy a gun legally and in a fit of rage, or maybe one day I'm, I'm drinking, I'm drinking too much or I'm, I'm, doing cocaine and I'm, I'm, I'm not in the right mind frame. I could do something that somebody who has had mental health issue their whole life. Right. They're like, don't yeah. want me in with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that helps put it in perspective. Right. Yeah. No, it's, you know, that, that, that that's, God, I, don't, I don't know if you would call it nuance, but I mean, that's a part of the conversation nobody really talks about because and that was one of the biggest issues I had with kind of generalizing this idea of mass shooters being just a mental health issue thing is the dangers of kind of, because I hear people all the time, they'll say, 
well, we need to have mental health evaluations and we need to have a, a mental health assessment before you can buy a gun and do all this stuff. And I was like, I hear you, but the problem with that is half of y'all don't even know what real mental health actually is. Mm-hmm. And then everybody attributes the fact that mental health means inevitably you're going to engage in some level of violence. And that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, and I use the analogy of like, well, well, anxiety is considered mental health. Literally 90% of the damn country is deal, deals with anxiety. Does that mean that we prevent them from owning a firearm? Right. You know, those people, those people aren't, those people aren't going out and, and engaging in levels of violence. Some of them are, um, but not to the degree where we say we just take the guns away from them because they're, they're inherently violent because they're dealing with anxiety or, you know, their anxiety, which, you know, could, you know, many times is a precursor to dealing to bouts of depression as a result of fighting or dealing with anxiety, you know, oh, well, they're going to become suicidal um, simply because they're depressed. You know, there are tons of people who are who are depressed and aren't suicidal. Right. So Mm -hmm. most people that battle mental illness walk around the earth sad and anxious. Yeah. Right. (laughs) They don't don't walk around angry. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, And the funny thing is, it's I think it's because it's it's for the love of like to be, you know, interest of full disclosure. I've had I've dealt I've had my experience with dealing with anxiety and the sadness I felt dealing with it wasn't that I wanted to leave the world. I was I was I was sad because I love life so much. I don't like this interfering with the love and enjoy that I have of life. Right. You know, and then it was and it was bothering me. And so I, I never really dealt with what I was dealing with and, and came out on the other side of it. But I think those are the things that a lot of people, which is weird because a lot of people suffer from from deal. With, a lot of people deal with this. But at the same time, they don't really you know, we, they don't no one really talks about it to the degree or in the level that we're kind of talking about it now where it's like, well, no, it's not always the case. They're always violent or they're, they're walking around angry. No, it's really more. They're just kind of sad and depressed or anxious, as you put it. Um and so it's it's I think the inability or the fact that we haven't had this conversation more on the public stage, I think, is doing a huge disservice, not to the issue of the gun debate, but a, but to the country as a whole. Because, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's just I don't know, it's always been weird to me why we don't focus on that, because it seems like something it seems like it's so obvious to me. See, I feel like. And this, of course, I'm going to talk about the things I do and like in a loving way, like it's my child, right? Because Walk to Talk America is my baby. I mean, uh-huh. um, we're friends outside of this. Yeah. We've had many conversations. You know how I feel about myself, man. I'm just some, some punk kid from New Jersey. Yeah. Like, Jersey I, boy. <laughs> yeah. No, but like to me, in one year, I made it to the White House, and that's a little bit of a humble brag. Mm-hmm. But from conception to where we are now and what I've accomplished. I work hand in hand with the VA now. I'm so proud that we're going to be able to change the narrative of the firearm. Um, Cause my whole thing, the drum that I beat is look, we don't need to tell people what to do. We don't need laws. We need to, to, to make the firearm uh, a conduit for people to get the help they need without fear of consequence. Right. That's the main thing. Most people that own a firearm will go see a therapist if they knew that that therapist was 2A friendly, right? They'll work out Mm -hmm. issues. But if you're going to put policies in place or fear, even if it's just fear mongering, right, Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to prevent people from getting 
the help they need before they get to what I like to call stage four, right? Mm -hmm. Mental health America talks about before stage four, then we're, we're screwed, right? You're going to see more people die, especially first responders and combat vets, which that's a huge issue to me. That's why I had to feel, I felt like we needed to step up and do something because it was like the elephant in the room that we didn't want to talk about, Yeah, you know, because we just didn't want to go there. But I'm looking at our industry and I'm like, we're losing more people. We're losing more of our own. Um, this is interesting. This is kind of a, I, I like to use this when I go on a speaking engagement. Um, October one, right. The, the, the massacre down yeah. at Mandalay Bay. Mm-hmm. In, in um, Vegas, 58 people died that day by, you know, 59 total if you include the gunmen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were shot and killed. 58 people die every day from suicide by firearm. So we have an October 1 every, every single, single day. day. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and think about if the media, you know why you don't hear about it is because it doesn't sell ad space, right? Yeah, yeah. But if the media did what they did, they're doing now with like the COVID-19 um, deaths where they're starting to list them individually, Yeah, right? And if, if every day you turned on the news and the media was like, today, you know, John in South Dakota, Karen, you just went down firearm, suicide by firearm deaths by day, we'd have a mass shooting every day. Um, and that's makes me, it helped put in perspective, it helped me understand why there's this push from the mental health side, but circling back to your point, why there's not more conversations. I feel like it's all been in the approach. I think we've gotten so lost in the fighting um, that people are afraid to talk to the other side, right? Because yeah. they feel like they're going to get frustrated. And, you know, and I think it's also become almost... Um, almost like almost like a game in terms of talk you know with respect to the gun debate i feel like now it's more about winning more or less than it is about actually solving the problem and and you know what let me let me take that back on the mainstream media side of it as far as from from where these conversations are what platforms these conversations are being had on I think on a mainstream media side of it, it's about winning. It's almost it's almost gladiatorial in a sense. I think in our personal lives, you know, when you're sitting at a table and you're having a conversation about the issue, I think it's I think that's where the meaningful discussions tend to really happen. The problem is a lot of the information because of what's going on in the gladiatorial side of the debate is people trying to win is the people. A lot of people are getting a lot of misinformation because and this is not me just taking sides because I'm a because I'm pro gun, but you know, the mainstream media, a lot of people listen to them. They have right. huge platforms, and the mainstream media, by and large, is anti gun. Mainstream media, by and large, is ignorant on firearms. Mainstream media, by and large, has an agenda. So the information they put out is the same information that the people who go will then take. And then when you're having these more personal intimate conversations with people where the egos aren't so much invested to the degree that it is on the public platform stage. They're, they're utilizing the information that they're getting from that side though. That's the problem. And if I don't find a way to turn this phone off, (laughs) like it's driving me insane. Like I thought I had it on mute and this thing is just going nuts. Um, Look at you trying to show the world how popular you are. (laughs) Everyone's trying to get, Oh my gosh, it's driving me crazy. 
crazy. And it's funny how it works because I get mad at the person who's sending the, the text message as if they know. Like, right. And I'm trying to conduct a podcast right now. Uh, but um, the problem is, is they, you know, they come to the table with false information. And, and so right. I think the we have an uphill battle on our side because first we have to re-educate. Then we can have the conversation. You know what I mean? Um, and it's unfortunate. I really do think it's unfortunate, but it's it's a battle that we have to take on as right. far as far as I'm concerned. Um, it just needs to be had, not for the sake of just, you know, for the sake of protecting, you know, what we find important, but just for the just the overall kind of success of the country as a whole. Well, this you you didn't even know, it, but you just gave me some great segue into something I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So I've always looked at gun ownership and mental illness and said both both of them. Uh, run parallel to each other. We just don't talk to each other, right? Yeah. Both of us are victims of people that have molded us to fit their agenda, right? Whatever group is anti or whatever, you know, it's the the way that it's shaped. It's, it's horrible. But one of the things that, you know, when I first started this, I told you, I just want to throw money at mental health, right? Yeah. You, you guys fix it. You have the answers. <laughs> I even got disappointed in them at one point. Because I was like, do you guys, are you, are you anything more than talking points? Like if I have to hear like mental health awareness and the stigma, <laughs> like these things that I hear over and over again. And then when you'd ask people, well, what do you do for outreach? How do you, how do you help people? Um, they're like, well, we could write that stuff. I mean, we'll figure it out. Well, it took me a while, but I started figuring out ways that we could as the 2A community do things. So one of them was um, we started this class that, brings mental health professionals mm-hmm. into the 2A community. So we hold it at a gun range. Um, we've had three of them so far. Uh, well, actually two. We had a third one. It got canceled because of COVID. Um, but what we do is we give CEU credits, which mm-hmm. is the continuing education credits for, you know, mental health professionals. Most doctors, everybody has to have a certain amount of credits every year to, um, to stay up to date with their profession. Um, but what we do is we bring these people into the range, usually it's between 15 to 20 students. Uh, Many of them have never shot a gun, but they're all therapists or mental health professionals in some aspect. And it's gun 101. You'd be bored as hell, right? (laughs) (laughs) Most, most people in our community be bored as hell. But um, the, the great part about it is there's just not a stupid question they could ask. And, um, you know, me being the ungun gun guy, right? I get to tell all my stories of how, like, the first time I fired a firearm, I almost shit myself, and, <laughs> you know, I had to fake my way through it. Um, I, I was just watching the people that went before me yeah. shooting, you know, because my ego wouldn't let me say, uh, <laughs> I guys, I don't, I've never done this before. Yeah. I'm really scared. <laughs> um, so, so after this course is done, they get range time, um, and after this course is done, there's a lot of debriefings. And what's really awesome is um, – I think a lot of people in the, in our community mm-hmm. would be shocked at how many people in the mental health side of things didn't even know we were scared to come talk to them mm-hmm. because of the narrative of counselors are just going to take your guns. Like there's some bat phone that, <laughs> you know, and what yeah. we, we learned from that. Um, and, and Jake Wiskirchen, who is another walk the talk America board member um, who's been uh, an asset because he's a huge two a guy. And he, if you, one day you got to have him on the show, but okay. um, if you, if you ask him, he had to, he, he, he tells us a very funny way. He goes, I had to come flying out of the two a closet 
Cause he's like, you know, I hid the fact that I was super pro gun from, you know, my peers because they tend to be anti-gun. Um, and it wasn't until he discovered walk to talk America, but he had me on his show. He has a show uh, called Noggin Notes, which deals with mental health. And I was excited because it was the first time that I was going, you know, I've been in the, I was in the echo chamber for years, yeah. right? <laughs> Just talking to the other gun people. Um, but then when the mental health side started to bring me in, like, what is this guy up to? Um, you know, Jake and I developed a relationship and um, he has two uh, facilities up in Reno. Uh, you know, he's a licensed therapist and everything. So, you know, we, we, we developed these classes. Rob Pincus um, teaches the course. Uh, mm -hmm. where there's the actual shooting um, and also kind of just gun 101, right? We bring them in, we sit them in a classroom. They can ask, you know, we put to bed all those debates. Well, what's the reason? Why, why does the AR-15 look so scary? And, and why do people, you know, fight so hard to keep that legal? Well, we explain that. But when you bring people into an environment where they're not on guard, yeah, you know, they're not on the defensive, they're learning, um, and we, I start off the class, Hey, you know, listen, what you're about to do right now is nerve wracking, right? You may come out of this and say, I never want to shoot a gun again, but at least now I understand the two A community, which is just like the skateboarding community and the surfing community and the golf kids and the star Wars nerds, right? We're, we are a, a lifestyle. Damn. I mean, and that's, I think people forget that, you know, um, Rob, Rob mentions uh, one of the classes, the very first one, he, he, he broke it down beautifully and he used cars as an example, right? And he said, because, um, you know, you get this question all the time. Why does anyone need more than one gun? <laughs> we laugh at it, right? Because <laughs> it's so simple, like, man. It's like, yeah. it's, it's just so obvious to us. <laughs> right. And, and you could, you know, I've, I've had to say, why does anyone need to own, you know, more than one lipstick? Why does it, you know, but that's, that's the lazy way of answering it. Rob's yeah. answer was really cool. He, he started breaking down car ownership. Some people take it for transfer, you know, use a car for transportation. Some are collectors. Um, some like to drag race. So, you know, it, it was really cool how he did it. And he, he talked about how, you know, if you just plug in a gun there, you'll understand why there's different walks of life right within the firearms community. So it's little things like that, that help bridge the two worlds. Um, and we learn in the, in the same vein, right? We yeah. learn uh, that mental health clinicians can't just take your guns, except for in New Jersey and <laughs> Massachusetts and New York. Those are the three bad places. <laughs> you know, Cali's trying to get there too, but this is the stuff where I work with mental health America. And I say, everything you've taught me about not stigmatizing people with mental health, these laws that they're doing, these things like the New York Safe Act, that stigmatizes people. Pretty much. Yeah, it does. I mean, we, we have people come. I mean, I had a kid. I call everybody kid. I'm from New Jersey, but yeah, I, I, he's a grown-ass man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I had a kid come through the website one time, and, and he was telling me, um, you know, he's from New York, and he said, uh, when I was 20 years old, I was madly in love with this girl um, and she broke my heart and I, I started being self-destructive. You know, he said, I, I never would hurt anybody, but I went into a deep depression over love. Right. I yeah. mean, that's, it happens. Um, no, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> um, I wish people knew the irony behind that statement, considering who I'm talking to right now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we do our own like podcast some other day. <laughs> 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 
about love. No, uh, but so he he got to a dark place and he started cutting. He started cutting his mm-hmm. arms, which is common. A lot of people do it um, when they're in crisis or you know they're they're not in the right frame of mind. And he did the right thing. He went and got help. And he never, it, you know, he basically just turned himself in and said, I need help. I'm in a dark place. Well, cut to, you know, years later, he's perfectly fine, grounded individual, great job, has a great girlfriend, you know, way over this one, never would do anything <laughs> like that again. And he can't get a firearm because of the New York Safe Act. So like, when he tells me this story, I'm like, Ooh, I'm telling the first thing I do is I call Debbie at mental health America. And she's like, no, we hate the safe act. We hate it. And I'm like, okay, let's do something then let's get this thing turned around. Like, you know, this is the, the bullshit that, that gets put on people. And this is why no one wants to come forward and get help. Now the conspiratorial aspects of my mind kick in when I hear stuff like that. And I think that's kind of what they want. I don't, the more the more I do this and longer I do it, the more I start to realize I think the people are meaningful. A lot of them misguided, a lot of them misinformed. But I think they're I think their hearts are in a good place. I do not think the powers that be are. Right. And I'm not really a conspiracy theorist, but I don't think they care that you know, this I don't think they care about the stigma that it places on gunners. I don't think they care about the fact that this guy who clearly is not a danger to anyone I mean, is no longer a danger to himself and shows no signs of ever becoming a danger to himself or anyone else. I don't think they care that he can't own a gun now. I think they, they want it that way. They accomplish their goal. The stigma gives them the power they need to take that thing from them, that which they want to take. And I think they don't want us having these conversations. I think the bigger walk to talk America gets, the more pushback you're going to start to see. Because, well, it, 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 I maybe... I have some pretty big news that I want to share with you. Well, no, no. I'm, I'm, oh. oh, okay, okay. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I, there, it's amazing. I, I think you're right. I think there's going to be be groups that maybe push back or. Well, let, let me clarify. When I say powers that be, I, I'm, I'm not talking about some big governmental cabal. Um, I'm talking about the people who who's, have a vested interest in pushing their anti-gun agenda. Certain, yeah. certain special interest groups that are like their only drive is to make owning a firearm as hard as possible. I think that's where you'll start to see the pushback because they'll see this. They'll see this way. It's no different than what they do with me when they see me going on the different shows like Bill Maher. And, you know, ironic enough, you were actually there with me when I was on it. Um, right. And they don't want that. That was an amazing experience. <laughs> yeah, I know it was crazy. Um, you know, you know, funny thing is they actually almost tried to shame him into not doing something like that again. And they did that by way of basically saying, I destroyed him. And I'm like, I, I, I felt he gave me a fair chance. Um, and when I go back and I read the articles where they write that, I realize what they're doing is they're trying to cater to what they cater to. What they're trying to do is they're trying to assault his ego so that right. he's never, ever, ever puts himself in a position to have a conversation where he may be wrong on something ever again, especially on a gun issue. Because they don't want those conversations to happen. Same way, I don't think they want these type of conversations. I don't think they want you making inroads with people in the health, in the mental health, um, in the mental health com- community. I don't think they want that. Because, it, it, go ahead. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think you're going to get 
I, so that's my whole thing, right? I, I walk and maybe me still being naive. Like I, I feel like Ali in Olympic village. Like I feel like I'll still get the gold. Yeah. Like I, I really feel like I'll knock you out if you try to like what? <laughs> oh no, if, I, I, I do. I, I, I say, keep going even harder. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I wasn't saying that to be a defeatist. Like, oh man, this is, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But you know, I want to bring this back to you for a second. Uh-huh. One of the amazing things that I wish people saw because they saw the Bill Maher interview, mm-hmm. and um, you gained a lot of fans for that in the mental health community. Because I remember like talking with Debbie Plotnick from MHA, and she's like. I saw him. That's the guy that was on Bill Maher. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I love him. I want to meet him. Like that's the power you have is because you, you, you don't get emotional. And I know people would wanted you to go up there and start a fight and you didn't, but what people didn't see is even the one person that was giving you pushback Mm. during the show at the after party was being cool as hell. Yeah. So nutty, man. I was, it was like it was crazy. Um, and, yeah. and the weird thing is, it was what uh, what I realized. You know, just being in that space. That was kind of the first time I was in a space like that. And I call I call it the Hollywood scene, right? Um, and everybody I talked to, it was interesting. They were oddly fascinated by me because you know, right. there's, there's always this. There's been this divide where we don't get to interact with each other on a on a on a real on a real basis because for the longest time they've, 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 I, they, the gun community has been ostracized socially as extremist fringe lunatics. So there's no real interaction between gun people who are from the South or Midwest. And then people who are from like the West coast or the East coast, like there is none of that real interaction. So I think when they, when they came across me and I think, I think to some degree, some of their soft or elusive bigotry, and I, and I say that with the most love possible. They couldn't understand why is this young black man so adamantly pro gun, Right. And when they sat down and we had the conversation or they watched the conversation with me and Bill, I think that they, they, they realized that, you know, maybe I've been looking at this the wrong way. And, and I mean that in the best way possible. I do. Uh, because the conversations that I was having with these people, and you were there in the room with me, and you were watching it from from afar uh, in third person, um, notwithstanding the girl I was flirting with, but <laughs> um, it, they were really kind of like they were blown away. Like, right. like there's no other way to put it. It was, it was like they were really blown away at me not fitting their 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 expected stereotypical view of what a gun owner is. But then also listening to what I was saying and realizing, huh, you have something. You may you may be onto something there that I never thought about. So it, that was that was a very 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 wild experience for me, and in, in a good way. Um, and I think I think there was a lot of head ground that we gained, and in, in what happened off camera versus mm-hmm. what most people saw on camera, as you've pointed out. Yeah, um, that after party, yeah. there was. The funny part was I got to talk to a lot of people because there was a line to talk to you. So they had to, it's like they had to go through me as the gatekeeper. It's like, I'll talk to this guy until that person stops talking yeah. to Colin. And then I'll just talk. Or when I stop, or when I stop flirting with the makeup girl. Makeup girl. <laughs> yeah. But see, and that's what it, I feel. I, I've said this, like everybody, when I look at somebody in the firearms community, right. And they are just like 
pry it from my cold, dead hands. Yeah. And they aren't giving an inch. I actually think we need those people, right? I never look at that person and say, I wish they'd just shut up. Like, I just let them do their thing. My approach has never been that, though. My approach is let's have a conversation. Let me, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. if you're totally against what I do and you're, you're being nonsensical, like, let me take you out to the deep end of the pool and then let me drown you with common sense. Like, (laughs) you know. (laughs) That's a hell of an analogy. (laughs) But no, you know, so like my thing is, is you can't change somebody's mind if you're not willing to have the discussion. That's Mm -hmm. never worked for me. Yeah. Um, I've never been able to just like bully my way through something. Um, I hate to cut you off. You just made me think of something and it might be, I think it's a great analogy, but it might be, it might not be. And I just ruined what would have been an excellent insight on your part. Anyway. Oh, I, I implore the gun community, we have to understand, we have to be a Swiss army knife of advocacy. Like you said, we need the people who are not one inch. Right. We need them. We need the people like you who are more of a scalpel, right? Or or, or a serial killer. Let me drown you on the deep end of the common sense pool. (laughs) I need to red flag myself. (laughs) You know, um, I, I I go so far as to say even you know just like we need we need the the gamer types we need the gun bunnies <laughs> right. um I might have my own selfish motivations for that but you know like I I we've got to be multifaceted in the way that we approach our advocacy because if we are one way we're going to miss out on a ton of people who we need however you look. At the end of the day, we may be a constitutional republic, but to a degree, if we do not have the general population on our side, we are fucked. Right. Court of public opinion. Exactly. Gun community has to go mainstream. I don't mean go mainstream at the cost of our ideologies or go mainstream to the point where we water down our messaging. But we have to understand that everyone has a role. Everyone. And the differences in the manner in which we approach those roles are what make us unstoppable. Because right now on the other side, there's only they only have one tool, right? And and it's a blunt it's a blunt tool, but there's some sophistication to it. Don't don't undermine these people. <laughs> like like they they know what they're doing. But when we have the people on our side, all right? And that's why you know I say the people you like the people. When you have the people on your side. We're unstoppable. That's what the whole essence of this country is. It's about the people. Right. And then there's this, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that don't have the knowledge or the information or the experience with respect to this issue. And so it's up to us, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's fair or not, we have to do the legwork. We have to do the groundwork. We just have to. Um, yeah. and, and if that means that Mike has to drown people on the deep end of the common sense pool, then so be it. <laughs> you ever have a, you just, you say something and then you're like, okay, I just did that. I'm yeah. never going to hear the end of that. <laughs> that was that moment. Oh, man. And, you know, and it, it came to mind too. And we might kind of going on top of it. No, it's just supposed to be general about mental health, but this is my podcast. Damn it. We talk about what we want. Do um, what you want. <laughs> like, even with the race issue, I think one of the things, and, and, you know, I'll get into this more extensively in another episode. 
the you know there are a lot of people that follow me. They're like when I mention or a segment and I specify the racial component about firearms and Second Amendment and things like that. People are like, why are you bringing up race? It's about we're all Americans. Yeah, I understand that, but you have to understand that for the experience of other people in this country who don't look like you, right? That is the lens in which they view the world. So I have to speak to them with the language that they understand. Because otherwise, they'll just dismiss me and not take in any of my information. And because you have lived an experience or lived a life where race wasn't a big issue or concern for you, doesn't mean that somebody else hadn't. Right. And so, and I think we've got to understand that, that when I, and a lot of times when I'm, sometimes some of my videos and some of my talking points, they may not even be, they may not be for you. The overall goal is the same, two-way advocacy, that particular message may not be for you that day because I'm talking to a specific group of people who need to hear a specific message that speaks to their experience because otherwise it'll just go, Oh, it'll, it'll literally just fall on deaf ears because it's not relatable. And I, and I think that's, that's one of the things we have to understand as a community. It's very important because sometimes we'll want to, we'll want to dismiss, Oh, this is about everything about race. Don't, don't derail what, I'm trying to do overarchingly. This yeah, it, I think for the most part, because like I, I always say this to people, especially when I'm talking to like a mental health crowd. I, I grew up watching Star Trek, right? That was like one of my favorite shows as a kid. And I loved that harmony of the bridge, right? Like there was all different walks of life, yeah, yeah. like with a common enemy out there. And I think that most people share that same type of view of life. So um, they... They're like, well, all lives matter, you know? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great. You know, that, that is true. All lives matter. Hello, all lives. Lives, right? <laughs> like, like it's a cliche. Right. Um, but I've never understood why people get so emotional. Cause I've always said you could be, you know, pro black lives, pro, pro, pro black lives and pro cop lives. Mm -hmm. Like you want to yeah. see, you don't want to see both of them. They're not, die, they're not right? exclusive. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, it's weird how people will just get emotional about that. Cause like, uh, you know, growing up back East, um, you know, my family was like super proud of being Italian American. Mm -hmm. Right. And my buddy down to three doors down, you know, was super proud of being Puerto Rican. Um, and when we would go on our Italian American rants about how great we were, <laughs> people would just laugh. Like we yeah. didn't, you know, just don't say that, you know, it's just wow. weird. <laughs> I, I, um, I love I love people who are proud of their culture I love it yeah I love it whether you're white black Spanish Indian whatever the case like I I, it's, I think it's beautiful um I I don't take offense to it it doesn't bother me now if you're trying to use it to somehow tell me how inferior I am then I have a problem but I I, I don't get it either I have my own I have my own inclinations as to why some people get so mad about stuff like that but me personally eh, I, I like i like seeing it because i think i think it's the multitude of our cultures is what makes us so beautiful and, and you know yeah. without, without trying to sound like a tree hugger but um it's the truth you know right. you think about it i'm a freaking and, and, and never more that i i become to appreciate this than when i got into firearms honestly because you know i was a little black kid growing up in the city i, didn't, I mean i didn't grow up in the country I didn't grow up with guns. Um, and the deeper I got into this, to the gun culture, I started to experience different cultures that I had not typically been accustomed to. 
And I've taken pieces from it and I've incorporated it into who I am. The same way if I were getting into another facet of life, I'd take pieces of it that I like and incorporate it into who I am. And I think that's what we should be all doing as people, not at the loss of your identity. I think having your personal identity, like I hate identity politics, but I do believe in maintaining your own identity. Right. Right. I just don't like the weaponization of identity. Right. I don't like that. Um, So for me, you know, I, I've always been of the mindset, you take all the good that you see from people and you try your best to incorporate it into yourself. If you got to throw it and then throw away the, throw away the, throw away the rest of stuff that doesn't apply or that you think is bad or negative. Um, yeah. And I think that's how we end up growing as a society. It, it's, it's interesting. I was uh, having a conversation with Kenny Barlow uh, from arms core. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were doing a podcast and Kenny made this great point about the two, a community. He's like, it's one of the biggest tents. It's one of the big, the biggest umbrellas under the amendments. Yeah. Right. So if you're, if you feel that, you know, people bash and kill gays, right? Like an armed gay is not going to get bashed and our, an armed, you know, gay person is not going to get bashed. So come, come on in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're black and you feel that, you know, the racist white guy could hurt you. Come on in your arm now, come in. Right. Like we're, we're so accepting of all these, these different groups uh, when you stand for the 2A community. Um, it's, it's weird when we get frustrated when, when someone kind of beats the drum of a certain thing. Yeah. I feel like sometimes like people feel like, okay, so if you're sitting there and you're talking about oppression, I've never oppressed anybody. Um, right. Like, you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I've always, I've always been the guy, like if it doesn't apply to me, I don't, I don't, I don't concern myself with it. Right. I know you're not talking to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, I've been around people that have gone off on certain things that they just don't like, like, so, uh, you know, social injustice and everything like that. And, you know, I'm like, he's not talking about me. I've never done anything like that. I know who he's talking about. He's talking about the asshole yep. that did it. <laughs> Pretty much. Because it's like, you can't, you can't deny someone's experience, you know? And I think the, I think, I think the problem is sometimes is, and it, it's, it's, and maybe it's just the nature of platforms, but people take things when you hear things like white supremacy, oppression, and things like that. Yes, they are very broad. They are very, very general. It's a very inclusive term of phrase, right? But you can't deny someone's specific reality. If they've experienced something, how can you deny that? Now, it may not be to the degree in which the word or the term of phrase that they use uh, purports it to be. But when you deny it wholesale, and you don't acknowledge it to to any degree. How do you expect to to be able to have a conversation with someone like that, that you refuse to accept the realities in which they've experienced? Right. You'll get nowhere. You'll get absolutely nowhere. I'm not telling you you need to go out there and say yes. I as a white man, I'm responsible for every bad thing that has happened to you. I I can't stand white guilt. To me, it's almost more racist than somebody being overtly racist. Right. I can't stand it because it's 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 insulting. It's it, it kind of almost. Uh, turns turns me into a child of sorts in their eyes um but at the same time like no some people have experienced very blatant racism some people have experienced not so blatant racism they know it they've experienced they know it in their heart they can't prove it though or it's so subtle no one else sees it right it just that you can't take that away from somebody and expect them to just toss that out and then and then expect to be able to develop some type of a relationship or or a certain dialogue and be able to converse with them objectively it's just it's, a, it's impossible 
because you're not acknowledging a very real experience that I have the same way that if I were to attribute the bad things that are done to me from someone else and say that you're responsible for them, you're not going to talk to me. I didn't oppress you. <laughs> like, why would I have this conversation with you? I, you're, you're talking to me as if I'm the one doing it. No, we're not going to have that conversation. So flip it. I've experienced, I've experienced this in my life. And, and, and as a result, I think, I think it's an issue to a degree. But then you tell me, well, no, you know, that, that doesn't happen. That never happens. That, 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 you're just blowing this out of proportion. How, how can you expect me to have a conversation with you? Right. Yeah. It's happened for somebody. It has. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if that's, you know, it does, it feels wrong not to let people address things. Uh, that's, that, that's the other thing that always cracks me up uh, for our community, right? Is sometimes there's a lot of irony mm-hmm. in you know, let people be freedom. Yeah, uh, and yeah. They're like, I hate this guy because he kneels. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it, the, like the frustrating. Go ahead. No, it's like that's that's part of freedom. Yeah. <laughs> right now, in the same in, in the same breath, I could see like the alternative. The, the, here's the, <laughs> here's the weird thing too about that, right? So you know, you have uh, uh, Charlemagne the God, for instance. One of the one of the many things that he says on a consistent basis is, you know, you can do whatever you want in this country, but don't be surprised how people react. You, you know, people are allowed to react. The consequences of what you do are the consequences. So when you take in, for instance, the, the the idea notion of kneeling, he was very much supportive of that, and he criticized the idea of somebody, you know, the people who've been who got mad at him and things of that nature. Like there's there's contradictions to go around because at the same time it's like yes, he had every right to do it, and. As a result, people had every right to react the way they wanted to. So they didn't want to watch him anymore, didn't want to support him anymore, so be it, um, and vice versa. Um, but the problem is, is we get offended before we can have the real conversation on both sides. Because right. we feel some type of way, and it's just like, and we all go black, and we black out, and then that conversation doesn't get had, and it doesn't help that the media flames it. They flame it. The worst. They are the worst. Oh, man. It's like, yeah. and, and, and there's no room for nuance. It's like, I understand why I don't agree with it. I understand why he did it, though. Right? Yeah. It, I, I, I'm the same way, right? And I think people get, like, I've had people like, yeah, that's such a cop-out answer. Because I'm like, look, I understand why he did it. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And they're just like, that's such a, a lazy way of trying to answer that. But, you know, what, it's, what really it's, turned my... Hold on, because I want to make this. Point. No, 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 I stopped. I stopped because I realized I was talking to be good. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> but what really turned me around about the whole situation was finding out how much he does give back to charity. Hmm. Right. So I've been able to separate the guy kneeling from the person who's philanthropic. And gotcha. I've had arguments with people where they're like, well, he only gives to whatever, you know, his own, you know, his own things. And I'm like, well, okay, what does he get to? No one ever has been able to answer that. I almost got in a fight one time with a guy because I was like, well, let's look it up because I don't know what he gives to either. And like, yeah. in my mind, I'm going, I hope he just gives like all around. Mm. And it's like, he does like when Texas was flooding, he gave a lot of money, you know? Gotcha. <laughs> so yeah, I, mean, I didn't, I didn't even know that. Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's hard, man. It's even and because nobody, and, and you know, somebody says, oh, that's such a cop-out answer. I was like, no, you just want an easy answer. Because that answer is it's very nuanced. Because on the surface level, I say, I don't agree with how he did it, what he did, but I understand it. 
So instead of saying that's a cop out answer, you need to ask me, okay, so why did you agree with it? And then why did you, and why did you not agree with what he didn't? And then also what aspect of it about it do you understand? That's see, that's, that's, that's called dialogue. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not, we're, we're not binary creatures. Um, it's not, you know, um, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's, it's, it's just strange too. The other thing that always, you know, puzzles me is that if he just stood there and, you know, did what he was supposed to do by what we as society say is the right thing to do, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think standing is great. I stood all my life for it. Um, but it's funny how the guy who could be behind him while he's kneeling mm-hmm. beats the shit out of his kids, beats the shit out of his wife, has a cocaine problem, doesn't give a dollar to charity. <laughs> and he just gets a free pass because he sits there with his hand over his heart and he's good at football. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, no one ever goes like, let's go down the team line. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think part of it too is kind of, it's, it's, it's like kind of an out of sight, out of mind component, right? You know, it's, it's because it, like, football is generally about entertainment. And so I think for a lot of people, it's like, we don't, we, we almost use, we use, use football and sports as a way to escape. And so I can see the argument for some people who are like, don't inject reality into my fucking entertainment in form of escape. (laughs) Because I come here, I pay my money, and I watch this to get away from all of that bullshit that's in the world. So when he does that, it, it brings it all rushing in. It may not be rational, right? It may not be a logical component or reaction, but it is what it is, I guess, because... I don't want if I want politics, I'll go watch politics and see someone talk about politics and do political shit. When I watch football, I want to see entertainment. So, yeah, that guy over there, he's a bum. He beats his wife. He does drugs. He does all of that shit. And we only really care about it until it comes to light. Right. You know, because then what does it do? It, it forces us to confront the reality. So it's hard to separate. It's hard to suspend our belief, our, 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 our belief of reality to the then focus on the entertainment when you know this guy beats his wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it's just like, oh, I can't just watch him throw a ball anymore. He's just fucking, he's a wife. Yeah. You it, know? It, it's funny. Cause yeah. Uh, you know, yesterday I was going down the, 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 when I, when I work out these days, cause I, I caught the, uh, the COVID-19 pounds or whatever. <laughs> I, I, I watched YouTube and I go down the YouTube rabbit hole and I came across this piece on Carl Malone, who uh-huh. I've met Carl before. Yeah. And on the, on the surface, like Carl's an awesome dude. He's fun. Um, I already know where you're going with this. Cause I had the same revelation the other day. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> then I watched this video about Carl's family life and what Carl's done uh, to his children and the children that he fathered that he wouldn't recognize and the underage woman that he had a baby with and how he just shit on them. And I'm like, Carl's a fucking scumbag. (laughs) 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 And it was like, literally like one of my, you know, cause like I said, I met Carl like a couple years ago at shot show and we hung out one night and I was just like fucking fun guys like me. And then I was like, no, we're nothing alike. Like, but it took me, see, that's, and that's the odd thing, right? It's like, you want to make it worse? Because I just sure. found out something the other day and I was like, Jesus. I, so I saw a post. Now, I think it's, I think it's verified, but basically he hit on Kobe Bryant's wife mm-hmm. and they were yeah, friends. 
and like him, him, his, him, his wife, and Kobe Bryant, and and, and his wife, they were friends, and he hit on Kobe Bryant's wife, and then when Kobe Bryant's wife brought it up to her, and he called him on, he admitted it to Kobe, but then when he brought it, when she brought it up to the wife, he denied it. <laughs> so now, keep in mind, I saw this on a Instagram post, so I don't know how true it is, but from what I saw. It looked to be pretty verified, um, so I just thought that was. I was like, "Man, that's that's some real dick shit." <laughs> like, like, well, he's a low key scumbag. Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, yeah. and, and I've and I've met him too, and I've done I've done an interview with him, and he was cool as hell. Um, you know, so it it did it. Yes, it created some internal conflict considering the guy I met versus some of the stuff I know. You know, and then it's like, all right, how much of that do I believe? And then if it is true, it's like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. The, you, you know, if you watch the thing about what he did to his, the children he fathered, mm-hmm. um, you get a whole new perspective. Over it. <laughs> like, one thing that I can't tolerate is, like, the whole hurting kids thing. Yeah. I'm a father, too. So, and I was a single dad for a long time. I had custody of my daughters. Um, I'm raising them now. Um, you know, they've been with me forever. Yeah. And I never, ever would have let a child walk this planet without me being in their life. Yeah. Right. Even if I didn't want that child, yeah, it, it's unacceptable to me. Cause that's, you know, there's other things in life where you're probably like, yeah, he bends his moral compass a certain yeah. weird way <laughs> but when it comes to children, like, that's fuck you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> that was the mailman. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, thanks for ruining my fantasy. You bastard. <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably run into him one day. I hope he never hears like, what were you saying about me on that <laughs> podcast of yours, bro? I'm like, hey. hey. Yeah, I, that dude that dude is so good looking and so, like, he's Carl. He's the mailman. We were at a bar. <laughs> Women were just, like, hanging off of him. You got to go after Kobe's wife? Uh, like, but, you know, uh, I mean, but, you know, I mean, come on. You know, you know. I, keep in mind, I'm not justifying this shit at all. However, I can see why he would do that because – you always want what you can't have. Right. You know, it's that, that weird weirdness about us as human beings. What we can't have, we long for. What we have, even if it's of high quality, we tend to dismiss it. Um, and I can't think of anything more forbidden than the idea that he would be able to bang Kobe Bryant's wife. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah. so and if you are if you are a scumbag and have that type of personality, then that's something that's going to entice you to a point of. Yeah. Obsession. <laughs> yeah, if you take my wife from me, you better take her, take her. Yeah, you guys like, better get married. Yeah, pretty much. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like <laughs> if you're my if you're my friend and you move on something that I have been involved with, oh, and my theory is this better be a fairy tale ending for you. Yeah. You you yeah, pretty much. You have to commit to that. <laughs> yeah, like like you you're y'all are for life. Yes. <laughs> for life. I just, it's not the way I don't get down like that. I've never appreciated people that do yeah. that. I tell it even my friends now when they, they talk about somebody's ah, that's that's his girlfriend. Like, yeah. We're in Ve- we're in Vegas. Go rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man. Oh, so oh, all the good things must come to an end. Yeah, I know, right? We'll try to do this under thirty, I think. <laughs> overshot this always happens when we talk though i know man and it, 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 it just gets it just gets worse and worse and worse but more entertaining more entertaining uh god could you imagine could you imagine someone sitting around in some of our, our drunk conversations 
there's only two people that could possibly be having a conversation together. That's Trump and Biden, where people would be like, what are they talking about? How did they get here? Trump and Biden. I, the debates are going to be like that. It's like two crazy homeless people standing next to each other, having a conversation with the air. Oh, my God. You remember the time I was, oh, man, before we go. I, remember, I don't know why I just came to my mind. What were we? Were we at the W in Hollywood? Probably. When I fell asleep in the middle of the lobby? Yes. <laughs> Dude, I was so gone. I was like, I was exhausted. I was drunk. And all I remember is waking up like, holy crap. I was in the middle of a full-blown conversation with Mike and I fell asleep. Yeah. 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 yeah thank God they, that that was the weekend of the BET Awards. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. Remember how crazy that was because... I didn't realize the BET Awards was happening. Uh-huh. So when I checked into the hotel, because we met up, we met up at a different time. Like you were already at a hotel, and yeah. you were moving over to the W. Is before you were doing. Yeah, I think, what was I? Was I think I was at the W in Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah. but I, I just remember like looking around, going, "Wait a minute, everybody's iced out." <laughs> There are people wearing wearing now later colored jackets and it's a hundred degrees out. (laughs) Let me tell you something. I don't know. I don't know how many people have ever stayed at the W in Hollywood. The W in Hollywood is insane on a regular day. You throw in BET awards in that mix and it just turns to a whole, I don't like the W Hollywood, honestly, it's just just always too much going on. But man, that was insane. That, that day we were there was insane. Yeah, yeah, I had a good time. <laughs> yeah, oh no, no, it was it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. Um, even even yeah, even in uh, what was the, we were in Vegas. What where 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 was that pool party? Ve- well, oh, when we went to Encore Beach. Oh yes, yes. Dude, Encore I, Beach. I it was no, it was a complete. I'm telling you right now, it was a complete numb reality for me the entire time for obvious reasons. But that was amazing. Yeah, that, that, that was the that, that was the the mo- that was the time when you were like, "We are going out later tonight." Yeah, <laughs> get ready. And I remember like my friends being like, "Oh, okay, well, we'll go out for him." You know, oh, like God, we'll get we'll set it all up, and uh, <laughs> we all rallied and we all met at the rally point, and you ghosted us. Oh man, I ghosted y'all so hard. It was so savage. It was like, cause I, yeah, I remember that. I was so adamant. I'm like, no, we're all going out tonight. We're doing like, we're doing this. Where's Collins? Collins Collins is asleep. (laughs) The king of wishful, the king of wishful thinking. I'm dog fighting right now. This is my Michael Vick. (laughs) Multitasking everybody listening. God, I should not be uh, laughing at that. <laughs> no, uh, the, the the funniest part about that night or that day was, um, and this goes for anyone that goes to Vegas, you could have the best intentions in the world oh, at a day club or a pool party, right? When yep. you're you're in, yep. and that sun and cocktails done. Seven o'clock, yeah, <laughs> done, <laughs> done. Like I was done. done. Like it, I, I'm telling you right now, it could be I don't know what what. What a starlet actress am I in love with now? You know, it changes every six months. Pick one. She could walk into my room right now. And I would just, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just going to stay asleep. You know, you can help yourself to the wet bar. I'm just going to stay asleep. Like it was, it was, it was, it, it drained you on a level that I had never experienced before. And I had every intention, every intention 
I'm coming back out. I promise you. I promise you. I know you hate me for it, but I promise you, I had every intention. But yeah, I, I know you did, but you <laughs> you would have wanted missed out because we we ended up at the Palms, and then it was like uh, Rick Ross. Ah, uh, my friend set it up right. Okay, okay that was okay. That okay. was a crazy yeah, rub it in. Yeah, <laughs> we got to do that again when this place opens up. I know, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, because yeah, that was a blast. That was a blast. Well, listen, man, um, I don't know how you want to wrap this up because we'll go another hour. For Pretty much, yeah. Let me, uh, let me, let me tell people where to find Walk yeah, Talk. Yeah, no, America. please do. Yeah. Yeah. So walktalkamerica.org, WTTA.org, and on all social media platforms at Walk the Talk US. Um, there's a cool, if you go to Instagram or Facebook, there's a cool two year story there. But these programs, these things, they're ours. Okay. It's the 2A community. These are, these are policies and programs that we built with input from outside sources, but they're ours. And that's the thing I'm most proud of because it, it gives you something to be proud of. Um, there's different lanes and we're in the mental health lane and we're going to change the narrative. And I appreciate everything you've helped me with and uh, you know, go check out. I probably need to do a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get you there. <laughs> That's the problem, man, with me. I just keep, I run. And yeah. then sometimes I have to remember, like, notify all the board members and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like, I get excited. Man. I, yeah. I live this. Thing. No. All right, brother. Um, much appreciated. I look forward to having you back on so people can hear more of our, our adventures. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> But no, man, um, we're definitely going to have you back on, especially as things go on, you know, just keep us updated. I'll definitely keep keep my audience updated, um, con- you know, considering my involvement with Walk Talk America. And I look forward to having you back on, man. I appreciate you having me, brother. Thank yeah, absolutely. you. Right now, there's a war against the Second Amendment, which is why I need your help spreading our message to counter their message. You can help do this by leaving a comment, sharing this video and clicking the bell and subscribe button. Let my voice be your voice and let them know you want to keep America tactical because the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed wasn't a suggestion. It was a directive. Also, if you're wondering where to purchase your all guns are essential, I will not comply. I am the militia. I lost all my guns in a boating accident and your state specific keep America tactical shirts. Click the link next to my head or the link in the description section. Or if you're watching this on a mobile, Tap the small triangle on the lower right hand side of this video and click the link in the description section.